Welcome to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. And welcome, everybody. This is Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men, podcast number 230. Hard to believe, and we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugarland, Texas. So grab a globe, spin it around, bang! Not sure where you ended up, but spin it around, find Texas. Southeast side of Texas is Houston. Southwest side of Houston is Sugarland. We're not pastors, we're just regular guys, and each of us are on our own spiritual journey. And we feel that all men are leaders, leaders in your family, leaders at work, Leaders in your church and community, but but sometimes that lead dog needs to be fed and spiritually recharged, and that's why we're here. And so whether you found us on Facebook, SoundCloud, where we archive all of our podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, our website, man-upspiritualoasis.com or pray.com, we are glad you are joining us. And we are on this No Church Answers Tour, and we use various publications for... Our podcast. We are in Connect 360. This is particular study is a study of judges titled The Conquerors. It's by Baptist Way Press, and uh, it has been a great study. And I'm going to go ahead and introduce our panel at this time. We have a uh, former policy writer and professional gambler. He is also our producer, Mr. Steve Titch. All right, Mr. Hello. Producer. Uh, or a uh, former uh, prosecutor and attorney, we call him the judge, Michael Cropper is here. Hey, Mike. Hello, guys. Hey, Mike. Thank you. Uh, logistics and hospitality guy, just a great guy. Earl Lloyd is here. Hey, Earl. Hi, Earl. Earl, the Earl the Evangelist. <laughs> and uh, also, world-class theologian and trainer, we call him the professor, Robert Koshu is here. Hey, Robert. Hey, Robert, how are you? And my name is Bill Cox. I'm basically just a sales guy, kind of a contractor, and uh, kind of uh, try to keep the uh, keep the animals in check here. So, and with that, we're going to go ahead and go around the room and uh, get a basic overview of these lessons. And going to start with uh, our producer, Mr. Steve Titch. A turnabout is fair play. Uh, last week we talked about how Gideon requested a number of tests from God, throwing out the fleece. Well, his faith has been rewarded, and now God gets to suggest a few things for Gideon to do to demonstrate his faith. Excellent. Uh, Professor Koshu. So, as we've taught everybody multiple times, I teach down in our youth department, and once a year, I actually teach a humor in the Bible series with our with our young people, three-week series, loads of fun. I'm just going to lead off with this story tonight is actually included in my humor in the Bible series, and we talk about humor in the Old Testament. And when Bill reads it, we'll kind of give you the visual and let you think about it, because it, it's, a, it's a pretty good visual when you think about it. Excellent. Uh, Earl Lloyd. The dialogue that uh, Gideon had with God over these two lessons, and I believe this coming up Sunday, it'll be a, a third dialogue that he have uh, with uh, the Lord thy God, is 
a daily dialogue that we have with God ourselves. And uh, it's things that God are, gives us assignments to do that we have questions about, the same as Gideon. So as we go through this lesson, it will it, be very, very, um, it'll be very, very uh, smart to just how I always like to put ourselves in the shoes of uh, some of these Bible characters because that's to this day we 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 go back and forth. We have these same dialogues with uh, with, with with God ourselves, with, with, with well the Holy Spirit that, that that lives within us ourselves. Excellent, uh, Judge. Yeah. <laughs> hey, wake up. We're again hey, looking at up, one Michael of the most Robert normal now. persons in the Bible, like <laughs> Lloyd just said. Uh, I've got that written down. Yep, it's Gideon again, and he's still not sure whether he wants to lead an Israelite <laughs> army against a vast, hostile enemy army that is as numerous as the sand is on the seashore. He still has fear eating at him, although God has shown him many signs that he's a great warrior for him. Now, when the Midianites and the Amalekites enter Israel again, again, Gideon has the Spirit of the Lord come all over him. He comes on him and he blows the trumpet to assemble his army. And then the army assembles and it's huge. It's 32,000 people, right? And he says, what have I done? So, <laughs> so he, sets a he sets a fleece before God, right? <laughs> Gideon asked God to perform. We're overbooked. <laughs> Gideon asked God to perform a miraculous sign again and confirm that God will deliver the Midianites by his hand. And he does that with a fleece. But you know what? We throw the ball back in God's court and he causes fear again. Today, we are looking at two great scripture texts in which God does it again to, to Gideon. He pulls out the rug from under him. <laughs> He gives Gideon a good-sized army, and then he takes it away. Then he sends Gideon into the army camp to get courage. <laughs> okay, Bill. Yeah, and, and, you know, actually, I mean, as funny as it is, uh, once you read the Scripture, that's pretty much it. Um, I'm going to go ahead, and this is Judges 1 through 11. Uh, then Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the spring of Herod. And the camp of Midian was north of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. The Lord said to Gideon, The people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel boast over me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now, therefore, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Take them down to the water. I will test them for you there. And anyone whom I say to you, This one shall go with you, shall go with you. And anyone whom I say to you, This one shall not go with you, shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set by himself. Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink and the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouths, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people knelt down to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand and let all the others go, every man to his home. 
So the people took provisions in their hands and with their trumpets, and he sent all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, but retained the 300 men. And the camp of Midian was below him to the valley. That same night the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have given it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down to the camp with Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say, and afterwards your hand shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Pura, his servant, and the outposts of the armed men who were in the camp. We're going to go ahead and get ready to go through the discussion. I just want to throw uh, a couple of things out real quick. Um, my dad taught me this being a farmer, and I do this all the time as a contractor. It's called right-sizing. And when you right-size something, you pare down everything that you don't need, and you make sure you have the appropriate tools and supplies that can be handled by those people. It's much easier to manage. Um, and so I just wanted to throw that out there before we get the dis discussion started and uh, throw it out to a uh, professor. So, yeah, it, it, like you said, Bill, right-sizing is a good way. He does a two-stage thinning here. He, he gets rid of those that fear and tremble because, honestly, if you're scared as a soldier, you're no good, period. Yeah, so but he didn't get rid of Gideon. Gideon was afraid. Well, yeah, you know, it's later, <laughs> though. So, but, so 22,000 run off. Then he goes down, and this is where the humor comes in. So if anyone has ever drank from, like, a pond or a spring, I've had the fortune of being around some places where there were fresh springs, and 99.9% .9 of the people in the world will cup their hands, get some water, and take a drink. All the people who are... Let's just say not all that with it, to be politically correct, will bend down and like a dog, lick it up like a dog or a cat with their tongue or an animal, basically. That's the ones God kept. <laughs> he didn't keep the smart guys. He kept the ones that lapped at the water like a dog. <laughs> and I mean, this is one of those. It's hilarious because this because why did God then? What was the purpose of it? Because he said, I don't want y'all to say, no, nah, look how strong we were. We won. I want you to have no doubt at all that I was the one that gave you the victory. Amen. And Amen. so he put that there to put that in there. And so he does this two-stage thing because, you know, cowards are cowards. They're no good. <laughs> you know, but I'm not going to take the biggest, brightest, and best of the soldiers. I'm going to take the ones who, mm, they would have been picked last if we were picking teams for your basketball <laughs> team. I would agree with you. You think you read from this, and you get the impression yeah. the author thinks it's the smartest, bravest people that God kept. And I, I agree with Robert completely. He picked the ones who would follow wholeheartedly. We get him probably was scared to death, but he didn't say that. <laughs> Just because they trust in God or trust Gideon, whatever they are. Uh, so the uh, the ones who who you would normally think that he should have kept, he sent home. Yep. So, so I, I agree, well, Robert. And I, I like Earl's idea of these conversations with with that Gideon's having with God is the conversations we need to be having like every day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Earl. Uh, my my thought, but how how scared would you have been with the team that God picked? And this, I'm I'm just telling you, how, how scared would you have? I mean, really? that was a, just an excellent point that Robin brought out. The team that he picked, man, how scared would you have been? And and I, I throw this 
question back at the panel. And in our today's time, as we as we wrestle with the Holy Spirit in reference to our own projects that God has have us on, how how do we how do we what Bill made mention of? How do we downsize the term that he used? Right side, you know, the the, the terminology that he used. How do we? How do we? Is that something that we pray for, or something that we we, we ask for from from uh, our spiritual mentors? How do we get that detail? Uh, that, that that detail, because God is a detailed and a pinpoint God, and as you can see here, how pinpoint and detailed He was with Gideon. How do we? As 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 uh, followers and believers, how do we get that from the Holy Spirit? I, I, I think it's a it's a it's a spiritual discipline. To go back to Richard Foster, it's simplicity, in a way. And and I think part of the lesson is, you don't need as much as you think you do, mm. to win even spiritual battles. Mm. Uh, let let the strength of God carry you. That's kind of what what's going on here in this in this battle story. Uh, yeah, and, and it is, it is actually, I'm glad you brought it out because it is a very funny story. And with, without getting into too much spoilers, because we'll read the rest of it, um, it, 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 it doesn't have as violent an ending as, as a lot of other stories in Judges. So we can keep it all. It's not as good as JL. <laughs> it's just not. But it's, a, it is, it is. And, and there is folks, there's funny stuff in the Bible. There's humor in the Bible. I'm glad uh, my son did his course, uh, uh, I guess, a year ago. And because sometimes we read the Bible, oh, we've got to be all serious and all. But uh, there, there is, and, and you know, it, it has to be understood through the ages because, you know, it's coming down to us for, what is this, about 3,000 years. Uh, so, so it is a funny story. And, and when you look at the imagery of these guys lapping at the water, and, yeah, those are the guys who are going to go, Gideon. Those are the guys I want you to take. And he's going... <laughs> Wait wow. a second. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. Um, and, you know, we had 30, he's down to like what? Th- he started with 32,000. He's down to 300. But going back to, to what, what Earl was bringing up, I think that's, that's part of taking this lesson and looking at it is what, what, are we, what can we divest? Uh, what can we put, put aside and still be well equipped with? And, and yeah, that, I think it's a discipline. Um, and it, it takes some practice and it takes some, a bit of, you know, courage to say, I, you know, I don't really need that. And it could be, it doesn't necessarily have to be money or things. It could be, it could be things we hang on for security or, or things we just yeah. clutter. Yeah, practically, uh, I, oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, it, that's a legit conversation that maybe this is, that's something we can talk about from this lesson because especially here, Western America men, Western American men here in our culture, what, what, what are we taught? The one you with the most to toys wins. Exactly. <laughs> That's yeah. exactly right. And, and it's not That's only right. the most toys, it has to be, if you and I had the same number of toys, my toys got to be bigger and better than yours. <laughs> right. You know, and we get into those conversations, and here Gideon goes, and he takes really, and, and, and I think this is good to know. He started with 33,000. We got rid of 22, mm-hmm. so we're down to 11,000. Of the 11,000 that were left, we kept 300. So the percentage here is not real high. And and it kind of goes back to what I talked about earlier, that, you know, how many people drink divided by, you know, whenever you do that, how many people drink. We're doing some quick math here. Uh, 0.9% 
of the people is who he kept. Okay, well let me just uh, let me just add a little so, col- a, okay. a little bit of color to that. I like color. Would you want a thirty thousand head militia of farmers and nope. just everybody, or you want three hundred seals? Oh no, I'd rather have three three hundred people that are serious. I I think the the first culling well armed the the first culling made sense. Right. right. It's the second culling where I think the first culling I think Gideon went okay. This makes sense. I can do this. You know that yeah. Let, let's get rid of the cowards because the worst thing on on a battlefield if you if you're a nerd and read Civil War stuff like I do. You'll find out the absolute worst thing in the, on a battlefield is a coward because he infects those mm-hmm. around him. And so if you get a coward and he runs away, instead of just him running away, you may have 15 mm-hmm. people run away, and that ain't good. So I get, and I think Gideon was all on board with that. <laughs> but then when he said, I want you to keep just those 300 Gideons going, to my point, I think that's when Gideon's going, Hang on a second. <laughs> you want me to keep who? <laughs> so you're you're like, sure I got to ask you guys: Has has God ever pulled that with you? Um, where you you kind of get a message from God? Yeah, this is a little too much, and God comes back and says, "No, no, I'm not done with you yet." We're, we're he's still, he's we still, still got some time. things to do here. All the time. Yeah. This class that I teach, uh, the class split, and I'm like, "Okay, Lord, I need your help." Meaning, you know, it, it just came out of nowhere. Um, it just, a couple in the class got with another couple, and they, I mean, it was, this was like a revolution. This happened on a Sunday morning. <laughs> but God sent two people in that class, had me come over to their house and, and, and say, look, we behind you. We, let's let's keep moving forward, and I know that wasn't nobody but the good Lord. I know that. So I, when, when Gideon going back and forth with with God about this this assignment, I know I, I I feel his vibe. I feel his vibe because, as I made mention in my my uh, my opening spiel, we have these conversations with God all the time as we go through whatever our Christian assignment is, whatever it is that we're doing spiritually. We we we, we go through this all the time. In Deuteronomy 28, I, I believe the author refers to this, guys. I know y'all have looked at it. states that when they're getting ready to go into battle, the Lord told the Israelites, if there are men among them that are just bought a new home, mm-hmm. just got married, planted a new vineyard, or were extremely fearful, they should not go into the battle. Okay, that's Deuteronomy 21 through 8. He encourages those people to go home. Now, we've got to remember now, this is the biblical answer. Pardon me, this is the church mm-hmm. answer. The fact is, God can do anything with any number Amen. of people he wants. Yep. Whether that was what he was people, demonstrating. Right, yeah. right. And, then, and, then, and I, I do have an answer for the other one. Why, why, did he, why are there only 300 men left to fight? Because they only brought 300 torches. Ah, oh, <laughs> there you are. Nice. Ooh, this goes into well, God's can, sovereignty and long-range planning. <laughs> but I, I can tell you this. It's absolutely true that, and I didn't go to war. I was, in the, I was in the Navy, but I did go on deployments. And the guys that had the hardest time going were the guys that were married, that had children, that had homes, they had other lives. Me, yep. I was a pig farmer. I was single. I had I had nothing, and so <laughs> send me. That fits the scripture. Uh, yeah, it fits absolutely. The scripture. Ab- absolutely. absolutely. But you know what? And honestly, and, and I mean, I know this is a, uh, a Christian podcast, but me and the other single guys, we would have been vicious compared to those other guys. I guarantee it. Mm. Mm. Yep. We had nothing to lose. 
Mm. Nothing to lose. So. Amen. Yep. All right. And, uh, and with that, we're going to go ahead and take our first break. This man up. Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast number 223 or 230. We'll be right back. This is Bill Cox, director of Man Up, thanking you, our listeners, for making us one of the fastest-growing podcasts in the Christian space. We are proud to announce we have won a video slot on the Preach the Word TV network, a Christian video streaming application with more than 50 million downloads worldwide. To finance our video production, we have launched a GoFundMe page to raise $5,000 we need for our studio space and production team. Our program will be available on Roku, Amazon Fire, and Apple TV. It will also air locally in Atlanta on Saturday mornings on WYGA Channel 16.5. For more than four years and 225 podcasts, Man Up Spiritual Oasis has been delighting podcast audiences as each week we read and dissect a Bible lesson and apply it to our daily challenges. We are now asking for your support as we spread our ministry to Christian TV viewers worldwide. To make a tax-deductible contribution and learn more details, please look us up on GoFundMe.com under Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men or donate directly through PayPal at donate at manupmedia.org. Thank you so much for your support. And now back to the podcast. And welcome back, everybody. This is Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast number 230. And we are in Judges talking about Gideon and... Uh, we're continuing on with the fact that uh, Gideon had a bunch of people show up. They were going to go ahead and uh, attack with them, but, oh, God had them call the herd uh, a little bit more than a little, as uh, the professor was saying, and just going to talk about uh, some implications and the challenges in our own life uh, with that kind of thing and uh, throw it over to uh, Professor. So it, it, it's interesting when you look at this second set of scriptures, Bill, if you go ahead and read that, because then we kind of see what Mike was just alluding to. Why did we get to 300? There was actually a really good reason behind that. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and read. This is Judges uh, 7, 12 through 22. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the people of the east lay along the valley like locusts in abundance, and their camels were without number. And the sand that is on the seashore in abundance. When Gideon came, behold, a man was telling a dream to his comrade. And he said, behold, I dreamed a dream. And behold, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian and came to the tent and struck it. So it fell and turned it upside down. So the tent lay flat. And his comrade answered, this is no other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. God has given into his hand Midian and all the camp. As soon as Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, he worshiped. And he returned to camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has given the host of Midian into your hand. And he divided the 300 men into three companies and put trumpets into the hands of all of them and empty jars with torches inside the jars and he said to them look at me and do likewise when i come to the outskirts of the camp do as i do when i blow the trumpet i and all who are with me then blow the trumpets also on every side of all the camp and shout for the lord and for gideon so gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning 
of the middle watch when they had just set the watch. And they blew the trumpets and smashed the jars that were in their hands. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the jars. They held in their hands the torches and in their right hands the trumpet to blow. And they cried out, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Every man stood in his place around the camp, and all the army ran. They cried out and fled. When they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his comrade and against all the army. And the army fled as far as Bethsheba towards Zerath, as far as the border of Abel Malola by Tabath. So it, it, it's funny. There was a movie in the 1980s called The Sword of Gideon. And it was based on the Kidon Mossad team that hunted down the uh, Munich terrorists and took them out. That's how, that's how much this story plays into Jewish culture. Uh, the, again, this is a, a, a great finish to this oh, thing. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, I had a note, and I called this God Psyops, which uh, for those outside the military, psychological psych- operations, psychological operations uh, try to make you know you or yourself look bigger or more powerful. And so God sends a dream. <laughs> And right, you know, and the timing, we can talk about the timing because the author does a nice bit about how Gideon is guided into the camp and overhears this. But the exact same thing that the Israelites avoid by sending their 10,000, 22,000 men home for fe- out of fear affects the Midianites. You got a couple of people, you got one person who decides they're terrified of, of the Israelites and then whether, you know, then, you know, he has a dream or somebody interprets that dream. And I guess miraculously, you might say, because it seems to happen over the course of a few hours, this defeatism spreads. Well, you got to think about to, this. To the, point, to the point where they're, to the point where, where Gideon doesn't do anything. I mean, it is, and again, it's funny. He marches down, no weapons. Blows the horn, and these by then the Midianites are so terrified, they they go. They yeah, but understand, I mean, uh, Gideon has a reputation. He already toppled mm-hmm. what the statue about, and yep. nothing mm-hmm. happened yes. to mm-hmm. him. Thank so all, all, so already, he was already, and yes. already, he has a reputation. When he shows up, things <laughs> change, <laughs> and and you notice that in the dream interpretation. They were as fearful of Gideon as yep. they are mm-hmm. of God. And so when he comes in, yeah, he, yeah not only is God upset, but Gideon <laughs> is too. It, it, it seems as though when he got that information from the dream, it seemed like he just got a, he, he fired up. He got a, he got an extra kick. He like, it's like getting a second opinion. It's like, oh, okay, That's I'm good a, now. And he, he was fired up. After, <laughs> after, the, uh, after the confirmation from the dream, it looked like he... It, 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 things change. That was a game changer. That's and, then, right. and like you said, you go back to the sixth chapter. Where we talked about he toppled Baal. He had a reputation from there. And, right. and when nothing happened to him nothing, with Baal, remember his dad told him. Remember yes. his dad told the people that let Baal let Baal take, take care of him. Care of him. And, and when nothing not, happened to him, I mean, yeah, oh, he, right. he cocky man. That's he, right. he, he he got the second opinion from the dream. He was like, oh, that's right. He and went back he, to the camp and say, hey, let's let's get up. He told him get up. Let's. You know, he said rise. <laughs> Rise. Man, there's there there's a time and any time you have those kind of things, 
like whether yep. it, whether it's a comp- it, it's got to be some something very competitive mm-hmm. but you know you got the edge you go for it right then and and, and that that's that sweet spot when you're in the zone that's I mean, yep. you had a, you had a nice run you don't want to give it up yep yep you know yep. and I, I think that's exactly what but, he got but, but my thing about Gideon even after nothing happened with him about Bell and he had been through you know, all through six, God had proved to him, proved to him. And he, it seemed like he was still, he still needed a second opinion in, in chapter seven when God told him, okay, if you're scared, go down. And then it's like I say, after he heard that, that, that just that just revved him up again. Like you say, he went back to the camp and said, hey, get up, let's go. Let's go and let's uh, let's do what we, you know, what we're supposed to go do. But you got to think about him, though. Also, he his first time he was met on the threshing floor. Or in other words, he didn't have, uh, he never expected to be this big historical figure. And I'm sure, I mean, I, well, I'm not sure. I'm guessing that, man, you're talked to once and you go through one thing, that's probably enough for a lifetime, right? <laughs> you know, you don't expect God to come back with, oh, hey, another thing. Just wanted to let you know. Uh, you're going to be attacking the Midianites. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, what? What, what next? Get, uh, yeah. and, right, and, you right. know, and because he, he, he I don't want to say he was lucky, but he, when he went, I think he was shocked when he toppled the statue of Baal that nothing happened. I think he was as shocked as anybody Could, that, wow, God is awesome, and so yeah. am I. Well, and it was the Midianites and the Malachites, and remember, they were they are listed here as numerous with a lot of camels, as <laughs> yes. Mike said. Right. You know, and so this is not like a little small band. This is like a huge army, you know. And Gideon's looking at it at first, I think, until he learns about the dream, and he's going, "I got three hundred guys, and they got three hundred, mm-hmm. and <laughs> you know." And I'm sure he's kind of going. You sure about this, God? <laughs> you know? I, I, I'm, I'm going to. This is going to get very church answery, but it's. I think it's one of those cases where you have to point it out. Um, yeah, Gideon had 300 men, and but he had God. Yep. Oh, the absolutely. other guys had, you know, maybe as many as 30,000, maybe as, and but nothing. And in the end, yeah, in the end, they were the most fearful. They they were the guys who had nothing to rely on. Well, and, and um, Gideon was scared. Gideon was scared, which tells us that we even when we have the Lord on our side, even when we're pretty certain we have the Lord on our side, we're still scared. And Gideon, and I think I said last week, courage isn't isn't fearlessness. Courage is proceeding while you still have some fear. But I think the it, it shows how powerful you can be with faith and and how important ally god is gideon that was the that was the difference yep it wasn't numbers uh it was in fact the demonstration is perfect no you're not going in one for one or even one one against two you're going in 300 to or 30,000 i I think it goes back to god making a point and it's the cycle we've talked about that the judges cycle basically Mm -hmm. Israel sins, they get oppressed, they cry mm-hmm. out, God appoints a judge, we defeat the enemy, and Israel gets a rest. And I think part of it is God wanting to say, look, dummies, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we've already done 
three or four cycles of this already? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember if I get it right because we had Deborah. Well, we'll go back. We Sham had Caleb. We had Caleb. Caleb. We had yes. We had the brief aside. We had Othniel. Othniel. We had Shamgar. We had Deborah. Yep. We had Noah. We had Jonah. But at least five. I think we're number five. We've done this five times, guys. Oh, we had Ehud. Don't forget. Yeah, and Ehud. You know, so we've done this five or six. Yeah, we've done this five or six times already. You know, but Israel I, doesn't cry out when they're on top. No, they and don't. No, but, and nobody but, does. Well, and I, but I think it is. I think this is really God trying to make a point that look, guys, I've told you from the beginning. You came in here. You possessed this land. You marched around Jericho. The walls fell down. I've delivered you five times already from these guys. And remember, I even did it with a couple of women one time. And y'all are still having a hard time figuring this out. <laughs> so let me make sure when you do this, you know it's not you that's giving mm-hmm. yourself the redemption. That this redemption is truly mm-hmm. coming from me. And, and I think that's one of the lessons we need to have too when we go simplicity, as Steve said, because when we draw down that simplicity, there is no doubt that what we have is from God versus any versus coming from somewhere else the the author raised the question on the sovereignty of god and uh and 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 he asks okay did gideon just happen to walk down at the perfect time and hear the perfect person relay the perfect interpretation (laughs) of 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 god using his holy spirit to give the midianites into gideon's hands or to me a better question is, is God can do anything he wants. If Gideon came 20 seconds later, 30 minutes later, he had the whole camp scared, and he can put the words or interpretation in anybody's mind. And uh, the, the reason I, I bring that up, because the the author seems to think that God does perfectly timing with these things, but I think God can can place his message anywhere, anytime, in anybody he chooses, and that's why he's sovereign. Uh, I, I, one real quick thing: the, the the cake of barley that comes rolling down the hill. The, the guy interprets it and says, "Barley cake is nasty." I'm just going to throw that yeah, out. Yeah, that'll there be a dirty right? cake. No, is it because it knocks in the dream? It knocks over a tent. Yeah. No, I, actually, I it turns it upside wait, down. Yes, yes. Then it t- knocks it down. Yes. Okay. So, so <laughs> just for just just because you're the professor, were these were these things like really big? I mean, I'm no, thinking of like normal. It's not like a normally. It's like a donut. Think rice cake. Okay. Yeah. Well, my, my point here is, is he says, oh, that's Gideon and the army coming in to knock us over. But as you all know, Gideon didn't do anything. That's the Holy Spirit. Honest, honestly, coming down in that, that particular cake that rolls in the camp, that's the Holy Spirit, like the death angel in Egypt. I think part of that, though, then, goes with um, us <clears throat> realizing that we're not the axis of the world. It doesn't run through us. And not everybody thinks the way we do. And sometimes you have to go and you have to hear somebody else's point of view to realize that, you know what, maybe I am a little bit far off on that. Maybe the Midianites, maybe this particular war or skirmish, whatever they detailed, maybe they didn't think it was any kind of a big deal. Or maybe they, maybe they, they put up some people up to the front that really weren't up to the task. 
Okay. Whereas this was a huge deal to Gideon and to get that. And then when he goes down there and he hears that, he goes, these guys are pansies. I'm bringing in the seals. We're, we're knocking this out. Whereas before, if he hadn't gone in, he would have assumed that, wow, 30,000 and they're all well armed and they're all, they got all these camels and it's, I'll never be able to do it. But then when he, but he sneaks up there and gets a little intelligence, goes, you know, I've seen girls teams that were tougher than this. And then he goes back and he's ready. You know, and I think that also is part of it. You know, we need to trust and not everybody thinks like us. And so when you go out there and just what I'm really good at, I'm going to pass this on to everybody. I'm great at being stupid. (laughs) And, 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 And let me just piggyback on you. Just like you just said that not everybody thinks like us. Go back to the select another 300. God the way God thinks is far greater than we are. Dip, yeah, and, and so all of what goes through our mind, we have to remember, like you said, trust. We got to know that God is far ahead of us, and right. he already has uh, the results. And he's not thinking the way we think, and that should motivate us to put our trust in him. Well, what should really put your trust in him, you aren't going to see those results. Mm-hmm. Unless you obey. And obey. Amen. Yep. Amen. Amen. If you obey, you may see them. If you don't, you definitely Definitely's. won't. And with that, we're going to go our second break. This is Man Up. Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast number 230. We'll be right back. Hey, pastors and church leaders. Are you looking to create an exciting program that will attract, engage, and inspire men in your congregation? Book a live Man Up Spiritual Oasis podcast for your next men's ministry event. Called authentic, gritty, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been delighting podcast listeners since 2017. We're not pastors, just regular guys willing to talk about scripture and how we can apply it to our personal faith journeys. Man Up is a refreshing alternative to predictable motivational speakers, offering your audience a chance to connect with everyday Christian men who don't settle for routine Sunday school answers. Interested in learning more? Visit man-upspiritualoasis.com or contact Bill Cox at liveshow at manupmedia.org. And now, back to the fellows of Man Up. And welcome back, everybody. This is Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men, podcast number 230, coming down couple of great lessons that we've uh, had today and uh, we're talking about you know judges and battles and just all sorts of stuff and it's awesome so uh, go ahead and pick up uh, the discussion and uh, bring in uh, the professor yeah I, I think I really do think this is something for our time to kind of let, let's kind of start thinking practical with it I think there's two real good lessons here for men. I think the first one comes from that first part of the lesson. To We need to understand, you know what? It's not about us. It's about what God has mm-hmm. and what God can give and what God provides. And the second thing is, is we don't know what God's going to do until we can trust God to do it. And I think we see that in that second half. Where you know basically <laughs> we're just gonna we're gonna surround them, smash them jars, fling our torches into the air, and they're all gonna run away. <laughs> Interesting, Steve Titch. Uh, looking through Judges as a whole, in many ways, you can see how why why the people of Christ's time thought 
their liberation was going to come through some great military action because that's all judges is in a way it's a it's a it's a it's heroes who took the israelites out of some kind of oppression or bondage or occupation uh and that and and that that hero was appointed by god so but then we go a little deeper in a story like this and and we laugh because yeah gideon really doesn't do much but obey and you put it but that's great, great early yeah. that that yeah. this little that's why this little barley cake wasn't that the that the Midianites dreamer thought might have been Gideon was really it was really God, the Holy Spirit or God who came basically and upended the Midianites. And I think that's that's part of it. This Jesus would come. And he'd be stacked against not only, you know, the religious establishment of, of Judea and Nazareth at the time, the Roman Empire, and he's just one guy, one carpenter, one, you know, who walks around and, and, and has, a, has a, in the great scheme of things, a handful of followers uh, who don't really always get what this is about. And yet this happens... This an apparent miracle of the resurrection happens that some people believe and some don't, but it ends up toppling all of history up to that point mm-hmm. and changing right. it. Right. Just and this is a little microcosm of that. Yeah. And I mean, you find that that's why you, that's why I think sometimes you find that in the Old Testament. A lot of people, oh, the Old Testament God is different. It's a whole different thing. No, yes, you're Robert shaking his head. No, you see these stories in here that. Uh, offer a, a a foreshadowing of the New Testament and and the coming of of a true Savior. Yeah, I was uh, I, I really enjoyed these two lessons, and I really like the production notes that uh, producer Steve uh, sent out. Um, I liked uh, the first part, of course, the right sizing, <laughs> but also when you're picking people, you pick attitude. Not aptitude, because if you pick aptitude, particularly for this, for war, it would be no big deal for a soldier to go and fight the Amalekites, the Midianites. Hey, whatever. I'm a soldier. Hey, who who do you want me to fight? Okay. No, they didn't pick aptitude. They picked attitude. These were the people that believed. They're committed. And I think as far as my takeaway from these two lessons is this. As I go through my work, I right-size my crews, but I make sure everyone is a winner. Every one of them. Uh, Rather than have a bunch of just mediocre people, and I think that's what God wants from us. Dude, be a winner. And then you won't need a huge team. If you're a winner, you got a couple other winners, that's it. Go. Win. You know, I look back at these um, these judges. Um, Shamgar, who used the, the ox node and, 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 and defeated all the people that he defeated. Then you get Ehud, who was a mere handicapped. He wasn't handicapped, but back in those days, because you was left-handed, they considered you to be handicapped. And what he what he was able to do in reference to killing the king, put him in the bath, <laughs> bath, bath, right? Bath, bath, bath. Yeah, it was but, but 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 my deal is the the, the Israelites seeing these 
seeing these uh, accomplishments through God because you look at it and it's like, wow. And then you go back and you see how he picked these individuals who weren't equipped to do what they did. And it makes you scratch your head. But to the point whereas now, like I say, I always try to put myself in these Israelite shoes. And am I taking is it a re, is it repetitive with me and my walk with in this journey with the Lord? Am, am, am I am I going back over and over over the same things in reference of just um, not being able to get over the hump in reference to my Christian walk? So I want to be you know I don't want to be so hard on the Israelites, but I I, I do want to look at myself in the mirror and then pray that God allows me not to be. Uh, repetitive in my walk with him, you know. Let's, you know, let's accomplish the, you know, uh, you know, you, you know how you have different attributes in your walk with Christ, and you just don't want to go back to square one or go back to square two. I want to be able to um, be able be able to have accomplished whatever it is that I need to accomplish to get to the next level, and not just rehearsing like these Israelites say. It's just, I mean, how 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 great is thou God? I mean. This is some, I mean, wow. You, you look at these, these these two stories, and it's like, wow. Just from the two, the, the men that he picked, and then just the way how he, uh, how they went in the camp and uh, handled the Midianites. Excellent. Well, and and I, I think it's funny because as I'm sitting here thinking through the judges, Gideon is the first one that breaks a mold in a certain way. And it, it also talks about how there is, and we're going to see this as we move forward, there is some escalation to the threat of it that Israel is facing because he's the first judge who's really kind of a little bit of a warrior because none of the judges in front of him. Now, granted, he did get drug into the warrior mode, kicking and screaming, you might say, but he is the first one who's a war, who's, who's really a warrior because the first three that we've had so far, you got the left-handed accountant. Mercenaries, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. yeah. Like guys who, like, we were talking Regular about farmer. Who went postal. Who the just women. had enough. Yeah. De- Deborah, yeah. Deborah, yeah. Deborah, well, we, we, I guess she became a warrior. She, yeah. But she was not, they did not, they, they, I, nobody really starts out as one. The, the, but the mere fact that she was a woman. Yes. That, that, that was, was, the, that was the big deal on her. She was, was a woman. Deal. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Crawford. Yeah, I'm looking at, uh, and listen to what we're saying. Today, after looking at a number of the judges so far, and we've got a few more lessons regarding this, we can see kind of why the Jews today are still looking for a deliverer. They are looking for a judge, one that will come and lead them, right? A Messiah mm-hmm. who will lead their armies just as Gideon did and just as the other leaders, Barak, Barak and Deborah, and lead them to a place of uh, of righteousness against their enemies, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'm looking at this mm-hmm. and thinking, wow, this fits the uh, the prescription that they are still looking for Messiah. Uh, now, as far as the person God picked or the 300 men God picked, we don't really have the credentials on, on them whether they had a good attitude or aptitude, but we do know this, and Robert said this very clearly. He says it's obedience. And God mm-hmm. said this throughout the Old Testament. It said, it's better to obey than to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Right? So whether they're intelligent or dumb, whatever, they obeyed exactly what Gideon told them to do. And that's what God wants us to do. He says, I'll fight your fight for you if you obey what I tell you to do. 
Excellent. And with that, we're coming down to the end of the podcast. Want to go around the uh, panel one more time and get some uh, practical takeaways. Uh, go ahead and start with uh, Mr. Erloyd. There's a song called um, My God is an Awesome God. He reigns from heaven above. And this story just is a clear example of how awesome God is. And just many, many different scenarios from verse 1 through 11 and then from 12 through 20. I mean, you just see God in just an, an awesome way. And, and and remember, this is, what, the fifth or sixth time? So not only is he patient, but he just give us chance after chance after chance. He is an awesome God. Excellent. Uh, that's uh, Songbird and choir member, uh, Earl Lloyd. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Michael Cropper, a takeaway from you. Yeah, Bill. <laughs> uh, uh, if you're thinking that torches, jars... Uh, voices and trumpet playing doesn't sound like much of a battle plan. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> However, it really is uh, much of the same weapons we have in our spiritual lives. As Earl mentioned, now we've talked about a little bit. You see, we are the carries of light. We carry light. Second Corinthians 4, 6, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness. He has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We are proclaimers, Revelation twelve eleven, and they have conquered him, uh, Satan, as by, uh, they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And we are, in fact, jars of clay ourselves in service to the Lord, 2 Corinthians 4, 7, but we have this treasure in our jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So perhaps the unique we weapons of the 300 aren't so foreign to us after all. We fight with much the same in a spiritual sense today. Excellent. Uh, a takeaway from you, Professor. Because I like our listeners, I will not sing my summary like oh, Earl nice. so eloquently did. <laughs> yeah. the, the, you know, the old, the old adage of, you know, I have some questions when I die and get to heaven. Yeah. One of mine is going to be, dear God, why could you have not given me just a touch of musical talent, just a little bit even. Um, but it, it's, I, I like Mike's analogy of the jars of clay. I think we have to remember that God is going to do what God is going to do, and he's going to use the tools he chooses to use, and it is up to us to discover what those tools are in our faith walk, and that's what we need to be doing daily, you know, the prayer of the Bible study the spending corporate time together in worship, service, all of those things, that's what we have to do in order to figure that path out. Excellent. Uh, producer Steve Titch. Well, the author of this study or the, their editors gave this, gave one of the lessons we covered, uh, certainly the one about the, the, the final confrontation, the sovereignty of God gives us courage, which is somewhat you know a little bit of circular reasoning it's we find our coverage car we find our courage through understanding god's in charge through not you know we we may be afraid uh we may be even afraid of where god's leading us but we shouldn't be afraid because god is leading us in a way but it, it's a it's it's a fearsome it it takes courage to trust god I think, in this very material world. It takes courage to 
say, I'm going to put my life in the hands of someone, some entity I can't see. And, and, and a lot of, uh, it's hard to get past that. A lot of people who are good people cannot make that step. So I'm not going to say it's, it's, it's stay here and say, oh, there's something you got to do, but it's hard. And it's hard for Christians too, because the tendency is to fall back. But, but God's always there. And God will get us out of it if we trust him. And that's what takes a lot of courage, I think. If you won all the time, you wouldn't need God. That's just the way it is. So, And with that, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men. And we want to thank our donors and supporters. Thanks so much. Our podcast ministry just received a huge boost from Preach the Word (laughs) Network TV. Won't you visit our Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men TV podcast on GoFundMe.com and help us reach our funding goal. Your contributions are tax deductible. And on behalf of producer Steve Titch, Michael Cropper, Robert Koshu, Earl Lloyd, my name is Bill Cox, and we are on the No Church Answers Tour. So check out our YouTube channel, whether you found us on Facebook, SoundCloud, where we archive all our podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or Pray.com. And if you have a question or comment, you can go to our Facebook page or man-upspiritualoasis.com and post it there. And if you're still unable to attend church, check out the Sugarland Baptist Church streaming service. It's on Facebook, YouTube, and sugarlandbaptist.org starts Sundays at 9.45 a.m. And when you're ready, we encourage each and every one of you to join a local Bible-based church. Why local? So you'll go and participate and find a small group ABF, Adult Bible Fellowship, or Sunday School class so you can join for small group discussions like this. And find one that is men only. If there isn't one, start one. This is Man Up. You've been listening to Man Up. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Dedicated to the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man Dash Up. Post questions and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.